primordial desire of this man. I mean, he was king, right? Yeah. And as a man, there will be many other things that he could afford to desire from God. But he says, this one thing, he says, to inquire in his temple. Inquire what? Inquire what? What sort of inquisitions is this man alluding to? It seems that he might have received the impression that there's some insight or revelation in the temple from God that he would receive to help navigate his life. Because if that is his primary desire, primary goal, primary objective in life, to find himself in the house of God, inquiry, inquiry, not worshiping, inquiry, inquiring in his temple. So God is a God that loves inquisition. He welcomes inquisition. And the the reason I find where most of us are unable to get to a point in our lives where we, we have a working relationship with the Spirit is that there's no, we have not yet learned the art of engaging God. And by engaging God, I mean using prayer as a platform for that inquisition to take place. Remember, the father is a judge. The Bible calls him the judge of the whole earth. That's what Abraham said. He says he's the judge of the whole, the whole earth. So a judge is one who makes judgment, right? Based on what has been tabled in the law with regards to any case. Right? Now, unless you engage the judge, a verdict cannot be granted. And it seems to me that there's a dimension we are missing in our prayer lives, in our prayer walk with God, that causes us to almost, I don't want to say uh, abandon, but lose out on the benefits that come with engaging God on the platform of inquisition. To inquire is to ask, right? The, 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 the word used there is to diligently search out a matter. In other words, ask with the objective of getting to the answer. So you ask and ask and ask and ask and ask until the source and the answer is granted. But we really do that. Because, maybe because of how we are raised in our Christian walk, the limitation of uh, uh, adequate teaching that prohibits us from entering those, those dimensions in God. And that is why I believe many of God's promises in our lives are still lingering and not yet fulfilled. And not yet fulfilled. I don't want to take time. Verse 45. Chapter 21. You there? Thank you. Um, not a word. <laughs> not a not a word failed. Not a word failed or fell down of any good thing 
which the, notice notice how the Holy Spirit articulates this. He does not say not a word failed of anything God has spoken. He's specific. He said not a word failed of any good thing. Any good thing which the Lord God had spoken to the house of Israel. All came to pass. And this is the same God that we are dealing with today. Is that when we look at what God did in the past, we are able to search out, we are able to track that this is still the thing that he is supposed to do and will do in the present. Because he has never changed. So his faithfulness is from generation to generation. So if he was faithful in fulfilling every good thing, that he had spoken to Joshua and his generation, he must fulfill it in our generation. Whatever good thing he has spoken concerning us. So there must be a fulfillment of all the promises which the Lord God had made to you. There must be a fulfillment. You should Determined not to have it any other way. There must be a fulfillment of that which God has spoken concerning me, has spoken over me, has spoken to me. Isaiah 55. Thank you, Jesus. This is the nature of the word of God. It does not fail. It does not have the capacity to fail. There is no power in the word of God resident in it for it to fail. The only power inherent in it is the power of fulfillment. So when we think about the word of God in our lives and look at how it has worked, if we find to be an inconsistency in its achievement, then we must begin to track back and look at what might be the thing that caused this inconsistencies. Because as far as his word is concerned, it is infallible. In other words, there is no cause for error in it. So what I want to show you tonight is how to use prayer to establish God's word in your life. How to use it as a platform. All right? Verse 11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void. Did you see that? It shall not return to me void. So if he says that word shall not return to him void, that means it goes up with something in it. It goes out carrying something because he said it shall not return to me empty. So when he sent it out, he sent it out packed. Packed with whatever the assignment was. So he sends it out. Every prophecy must have left the lips of God first before it reached men. about every true prophecy. If it is from God, if it is from the Spirit of God, that means God spoke it first. God spoke it first in the Spirit. Whatever the, the prophet or the brethren or the Christian is doing, is he's echoing what he has heard God speak. Whether it comes through an angel, when it comes through the voice of the Spirit, what matters is that it has left the lips of God himself. So it is a word that goes forth out of his mouth. 
Whether it's a word of promise, a word of fulfillment, a word of judgment, whatever word it is, he says it entails something. It has been sent out with something. So he said, it shall not return to me void. Hallelujah. Empty, without cause. But it shall accomplish what I please. It shall accomplish what I please. It shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send. Did you see that? The thing which he has said. So he says it will accomplish what he pleases. So the word of God is subservient to the bidding, to the pleasure of God. So whatever God speaks, the word he speaks must do what he desires it to do. But it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I had sent it. So we see the character of the word. That there is no force powerful enough that is able to withstand the success of God's word. That is able to withstand the assignment of God's word. There is no entity in creation that can withstand the power resident in the assignment or the mission that God sent his word to do. So then you must ask yourself, if it has been spoken, there must be an accomplishment. There must be a prosperity of the assignment of the word. If God has said it, if God has spoken it, and you see, that's why, that's why the logos of God is so powerful even today. Because whatever left the mouth of God has never lost its power. The efficacy does not erode over time. So the same power it went out of his mouth with, it doesn't matter if it is a thousand years ago, it is still retained. He said he upholds all things by the word of his power. The sun still keeps its secretary. The moon still keeps its secretary. The stars still stay in their place. The earth has never moved an inch. Why? He has spoken it, and that word which he has spoken sustains. That means God can speak a word and forget it, and whatever he's designed and assigned that word to do will accomplish its cause without him having to think about it. That's why he tells us, put me in remembrance. So you ask yourself, why does God speak? Why does God speak? Why does he talk? Why does he tell you? If, if God wants to bless you, Chris, why does he have to tell you, I am going to bless you? Sh- shouldn't he just do it? Why does, why does his action need to be preceded by his word? Why must he say to you now that in August 2020 I will bless you with this and that and that? Why doesn't he just do it? Why must he inform you first? What is the the requisite for him informing us before he does whatever he wants to do in our life? He is God. He is God. He does not need Chris, he does not need you to give him permission to do. He is God. Everything exists because of him. So then why does he talk? Why does he prophesy? Why does he speak? Why does he promise? What is the goal? What is God's mind when he does that? 
goes with Abraham one day, right? And as they are walking, after they ate a meal, as they are walking, the, the two went ahead of them. As they are walking, God in his mind starts to think. He doesn't talk. He starts to think. He's thinking, he's walking with Abraham. He's thinking, they're going towards Sodom and Gomorrah. He's thinking, shall I hide anything from Abraham? Seeing that he fears me and I know that he shall teach his children all my commandments. He's thinking to, he's considering whether or not to tell this man what he's going to do. And it is almost the Spirit of God intentionally wants us to see God himself thinking about this matter. He was already going, look, he was, he, when he came down from heaven, where, whichever way they came, they were, he, he knew that the objective is Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed. But he goes past through Abraham first. And you see by his thinking that the reason why he had to, he went through Abraham's house, Abraham's tent, was to inform him. It is almost as though that God wants to know what men think when he makes decisions that affect him. So he wants your opinion. Notice, I didn't say he needs it. He wants it. He desires it. So what he does is that platform creates a platform for engagement. So if God has spoken to you, God has promised you something, that thing has been spoken by God to create a platform for you and him to start engaging on the matters of what he has, de of what he has disclosed to you. the same yesterday today and forever but in our generation it seems like God has changed it is not that God has changed it is that men have changed men have forgotten the apprehension of God's ways so we hear prophecy we jump because we have created many annotations. Oh, I receive. Oh, amen. Oh, I receive. But you never hear that in the Bible, Chris. You never, you never, you never hear all those nonsense that we do. You never hear them or see them in the Bible, but you see power. You see efficacy. You see results. You see impact. Why? Because men responded in a way or in ways that align themselves with the purposes of God. God does not need you to jump when he gives you a prophecy, when he tells you he's going to bless you. He does not need you to jump. He does not need you to scream. What God requires from you is, is the understanding of what he is saying and the ability to interpret that and only bring it to him to fulfill it. Because the word he gives you is the same word that must be on your lips when you talk back to him about the spirit. So we, when, when, when God gives us promises, we, when we go to him in prayer, we speak our own minds and not the very word that he gave. That's why there's no power, there's no basis, there's no platform. So prayer is the place of inquisition that I may inquire in his temple. God, you said I will be blessed. Why am I not blessed as you said I will be? You, you see that? God, you said I will have this. Why is it not yet come? So because Ronaba Zalan, we are lazy. We'd rather cry, we'd rather moan, we'd rather worry, we'd rather be anxious instead of approaching God. Nothing changes. It says that I may inquire in His temple. It's a law in the Spirit. It's a law in the Spirit. I will show you something in Numbers. Let me show you.
chapter 14 Verse 1, let's read it. Huh? They did what? And then they did what? Read it again, verse 1 to 2. Exodus 15. They murmured, murmured, complained. Okay? They complained. They complained. Because that's a very strange word. Because if you read it like that, let me read you this. Chapter 15. So when Moses, verse 22. Exodus 15:22. So when Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went out into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Mara, they could not drink the waters of Mara, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Mara, meaning bitter, right? And the people did what? complained against Moses saying what shall we drink so he cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree when he cast it into the waters the waters were made sweet who did the people cry to who did the people cry to who did they murmur to why Did Moses have the power or God had the power? So why were they crying to Moses and not to God? The answer lies in that word there, murmur, complain. The word murmur is not as me and you think it means. 
Naturally, me and you think to mama is to yeah, complain, right? But the word there is, does not mean complain. You know what it means? It means to remain with. It means to remain with. That is why God never once, never once did God get angry with the children of Israel every time they murmured and complained. Never once. The only time God got angry with them was when the spies came back. But when they were complaining about the water, when they were complaining there's no food, God never complained. Never once was God angry against them. Why? It was because of what they were doing. They were not complaining as me and you would suppose. The word they complain means to remain or to stay or to lodge with Moses. In other words, they will remain before the face of Moses until Moses began to cry. That's why when Moses goes to God, he goes to God and cries because these people were staying with Moses until the answer was brought forth. So the, the word member there does not suggest a complaining of words, but a lodging, a remaining, a staying. Do you understand? That sort of provokes an attitude of complaining. It's like they were not moving from Moses. They were not moving from Aaron until they had water. Are you following what I'm saying? Now the question is, why would they remain with Moses? Why would they remain? What do we call somebody who speaks for another person? Yeah? A mediator, but a, a more legal term? A lawyer, an advocate. Moses was the advocate of Israel before God. He was the one that spoke to Israel. I mean, to spoke to God for Israel and to Israel for God. Now, when they needed something, they went and murmured and stayed with Moses. That means they would not depart from the face of Moses until Moses got their answer. Yeah, yeah. That's why when Moses goes to God, he cry, he's crying. He's not asking, he's crying. So Moses represents much, something much more, brothers and sisters. He represents the ministry of the Spirit. The, the ministry of advocacy before the Father. So the reason why me and you never really get our answered prayers, our answered fulfilled prophecies, our promises fulfilled, it is because we do not stay and lodge enough and remain long enough with the advocate for him to let out a cry. Notice, notice, notice. True prayer doesn't begin until the Spirit prays through us. But that never really happens in our lives because we do not remain. Because for that true prayer to start kicking in, we must remain a protracted period for the Spirit of God to take over. Until our soul, our spirits, our body are suspended and yielded to the Spirit. So they murmur. Before Moses and Aaron, they complain. No, they remain. They lodge. They stay. I am not leaving this place. We are not leaving this place until you give us water. We are not leaving you until you give us bread. We are not leaving you until you give us meat. So for their provisions, they went to Moses. For their provisions, they stayed with Moses. They did not pray, oh, Shamata Karadiyasura. They did not pray to God. They stayed with Moses. We don't stay with the Holy Spirit long enough. We don't remain and lodge with Him long enough. He's your advocate. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is your advocate. Your duty as the one who's being represented is to remain with the advocate. And the advocate must know your case, right? He must know your story. What is your story? What is it? That's where you bring his word now. To the advocate. He said to me that in 2019, I will experience this. I have not yet experienced it. 
is, is, not, is not healing the bread of the children? You are relaying your case to the advocate. He is the one that, that based on, on, on the consideration of what the information that you have given him, he will now formulate a case. And all that is not done apart from you. Isaiah 45. How did Jacob receive his miracle? How did Jacob receive that change in his destiny? Problem is that we have been introduced to a Christianity, a type of gospel that diluted our efforts, that diluted our role in the achievement, in the fulfillment of what God is supposed to do in our lives. Mm. And you've been waiting since 95 and he has not featured. Why? It is a Christianity that condones your laziness, your lethargy, your inactivity in, in, in taking a hold of God. Look at Jacob. The Bible says he was left alone and a man came unto him. And the Bible says all of a sudden he wrestled against that man. The whole night he wrestled against that man. And Hosea tells us how he wrestled. He said through intercession, through prayer, through crying, he was wrestling with God. And says, I will not let you go. His intercession kept that man. The angel said, this daybreaker must leave. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. What would make us think that now the engineering of a miracle has changed? God's ways are ancient. In other words, they are from old. They are applicable in every other generation. God's word must be fulfilled in my life. God's word must be fulfilled in your life. It must be fulfilled. And you see, that's why we create environments like this, corporate environments like this, where the zeal of the Lord can rub off on you as you pray. As you see others wrestle with God in prayer. As you see others struggling with God in prayer. As you see others pressing in. Tears go out. You may look at something inside you may turn on. And say if they can go after God like that. I'm, I'm, I will position myself to do so. So you start praying. Lord God. I want this thing. Oh brothers and sisters. That is the only way, the only way we will have God-ordered results in our lives. Forty-five. Verse 19. I want you to listen to God. I want you to listen to God. I have not spoken in secret. Verse 19, chapter 45. I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. He says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare the things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. Notice that as, as one says, draw near together. 
as an assembly, as a convocation, draw near together, come. You have escaped from the nations. They have no knowledge. He's talking about the nations. You have escaped the nations. They have no knowledge. Who carry the wood of their carved images and pray to a God that cannot save. Verse 21. Declare and bring forth your case. Declare and bring forth your what is the case at hand here? Fulfillment pending. That's a case. Fulfillment pending. So that case is filed away. It's filed to the advocate's office. Fulfillment pending. God, where is my answer? That I may inquire in his temple. God, where is my answer? It's almost like his temple is the court where inquisitions are made regarding cases. Tell forth your case. Tonight I don't know what your case is. But you must tell it to God. It says tell, declare and bring forth your case. Bring forth your case. He says, yes, let them take counsel together. <laughs> Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord and there is no God beside me? A just, and a, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look to me and be saved, all you ends of the earth. Tonight, may God answer you. May God make judgments in your favor. May the court, when it adjourns, may you be favored tonight. Provided you bring forth and state your case rightly to the advocate. Oh, Jesus. Chapter 43. Lion Papa Kiro Salibran Sectrastale Bronzo Shala Trapesente Catrapatia Malik Rosalibran Secretary Cranza Bradaniga Brada Bashiki Bronza La Shaka Pradia Lemanta Gratoso Shelebranza Gradaniga Trapasanda God will do miracles in your lives tonight. Oh God, Zebran, the miracles is what we call the verdict made in your favor that's what we call miracles when the when the judge rules and arbiters in your favor it says it is done it is finished what we see as side effect is what we call the miracle and there are many things the blood and the sacrifice of jesus christ has automatically placed in your favor Verse 25, chapter 43. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my sake. Let me tell you the strategy of Satan. Let me tell you the strategy of Satan. And that's the reason why men fear God. The reason why men rarely approach God with boldness. What he does is that he will always use your errors, your sins, your inadequacies to hinder you from boldly approaching God. 
time you want to bring a case, he'll always be there. The Bible says he is Satan, Satanus. You know what? He's the accuser. He's an adversary. He's the prosecutor. Why would God give this being such a name? Where do accusers state for the, their case? Before the judge, there is only in the universe, there's only one court. Everybody attends that court. Angels, demons, everybody attends. When Satan has, has a case against you, he will bring it before God. And that was before Jesus died. Now there is no case that he will want to bring that God will allow him to enter in. Because before he'll even get in, the blood will speak. But there are areas in your life where it regards a fulfillment of a promise where the accuser is and can present himself. So your case must always have intensity. So he knows if you go to prayer, and especially when you want to pray in the spirit, he knows I will get him, I will put thoughts in his mind, I will try to dissuade him. Why? Because, because he knows the soul is where the battle is won, is where intensity is won. Yeah, you you did that, you did this, you said this, you how can you approach such a holy thing? But there's a clause in God that has provided us with an excess, irregardless of our own infirmity. Because the Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the propitiation of our sins, not only for our sins, but for the rest of the world. And he says the Spirit himself helps us in our weaknesses. So you can rely on the fact that the Holy Spirit understands meticulously detail your own weaknesses and is able to supplement them in the place of prayer. As you pray to God like that, even if the, the devil can bring his thoughts, you can ignore them because they are not a fact. Jesus has already paid for my sins. So he tells you, I, even I am he who blots out your transgression. For my own sake, I will not remember your sins. Then he says, put me, put me, the word there is record me. That's the word, the word recorder, it means recorder. In other words, he's telling you every time he speaks, he says record him. Why, why do you record him? So as to remind him. Of what he has said. So he tells you, put me in remembrance, son. Put me in remembrance, daughter. I said deliverance is yours, healing is yours. Put me in remembrance. So you use what he has said to bring it to him. God, you said this thing. You said, I must have this. You said. I, must, I will get this. You say it. Not I think. You see, prayer is not a place where your assumptions can be made bare. No, it's not a place of assumptions. It's not a place of opinions. You must, you must go into prayer with hard facts. What is your promise that is pending? What is your promise that is pending? He says, put me in remembrance. Listen to God. Listen to God. Let us what? Let us? They shouldn't have said content. Because contents are just fighting, right? But the word there is not fighting. The word there means let us judge together. So he says, after you have put me in remembrance, he says, let us judge together. Let us make judgments. In other words, he, he, he not only welcomes you to state forth your case, 
But he says, after you have stated your case, it is almost guaranteed that he is on your side. Messiah. <laughs> that, that, that by you having stated forth your case, you are now given the permission to judge with him, to lay a verdict on the situation with him. Lord, you said that healing is mine. So now in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I call forth healing. You reminded him. You judged with him. Lord, you said that I will be financially free. So in the name of Jesus, I bind the forces that stand against my financial progression. You are judging with him. Paul says, when you are gathered together with my spirit, in the power of the Lord Jesus to make judgment. So you know what, what you know what we do? You know what we do? Oh God, if you can have mercy on me, please. Oh God, please just, just have mercy on me, Father, my God. And he says to you, yes, Kawana, Waikopa Tuso, Kawuta Waikopa, and Kawana Waikoka. But give me your evidence. What is your testimony? Give me your evidence. What is the thing that you can produce that will make me move on your behalf? So he says, state your case <laughs> that you may be acquitted. Did you see that? He says, he first says, put me in remembrance. That means you, you table what he has said. You table what he has said concerning you, the promises he has given you. Remember, there is not one word out of all the good promises which the Lord God has spoken to Israel that has failed but all came to pass so you say father this is what you have said this is what you have promised me whether whether it is something that he has said to you through the spirit or something that is in his word now this matter must be judged Then he says, state forth your case. Your case is why? Why? Why should this thing be done for you? I know I said it. Then give me your reasons. James chapter 5. child of God chapter 5 verse 13 you there is anyone among you suffering let him pray now he wouldn't tell you to pray if he did not think or did not know that praying will deal with the suffering. Do you understand that? I am suffering. What is the solution? And the word suffering that covers a, a, a whole large scope may mean being mistreated at work, things like that, infirmities, a whole scope. But he says the the antidote for sufferings is what? Prayer. Not tears. Not worry. Not anxiety. He says, let him pray. If you will find your place in prayer, the suffering will end.
One day I asked God, we're going to pray for people today, right? But one day I asked God, I said to God, why are there some people, no matter how much a man or a person can pray for them, they'll never receive an answer for you. He says, because those situations are only meant that them should pray about it. So there are, there are areas, there are situations in life where men are alienated from praying for you. No matter how much they can pray, they can fast, they can intercede, no answer will come forth except the person who is in the situation. So there are healings that can be received through the prayer of another person. But there are other healings that can only be received through the person suffering, praying themselves. This is the reason why, brothers and sisters, so many people die before time. So many people suffer long before they get help. It's because they think that it is the responsibility of other people to pray for them. That's why today we see so many people running all over, looking for people to pray for them, looking for miracles. Why? Because they have escaped. The Bible says they have escaped the way. Seeking for things that each their ears. But he says, if any man suffering, let him pray. Did he say, let someone else pray for him? Let him pray. Let you are the one suffering. Pray. So when you don't pray, it means you are not ready for the suffering to end. Let it continue. You love your sleep too much. You love your food too much. You love your television, your work too much. You love your leisure too much at the expense of your suffering. But if you would switch off that TV, switch off that phone, you are suffering. You can't be saying, why, is, why are you watching TV? We should be praying. No, you are the one suffering. So some people just judge their lives by what is going on in another person's life. They look at another person's life and say, oh, all is good. There is a verse for that. He says, is any man married? Let him sing. You see that person is singing. You are angry at the fact that they are singing. No, it's their season of singing. It's your season of prayer because you are suffering. We don't live in different in, in the same seasons. So the Bible caters for every man's season. So you're looking at your friend. Oh, 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 they're having it all nice. Look at me. You're not supposed to say, look at me. You are supposed to diagnose your, your season. It's a season of suffering, so I must pray. That the season of suffering tells you is a season of prayer. Many people in their times of suffering if they would be praying in those seasons they would find more of god in those seasons than any other season is anyone cheerful yeah. let him pray let him sing psalms is anyone among you sick let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the lord and the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up if he has committed sins he will be forgiven confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much power then he says Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and yet he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain. Why did, he play, why did he pray that it would not rain? Was it something that he just thought of? No, there was a prophecy given. He prayed because something was said from the mouth of God. God spoke. Therefore, it required a man to, 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 pray, to pray through the prophecy. To pray the prophecy to pass. How many prophecies have you received? And how many of them have you prayed into them?
He told Ahab, there is rain coming. He went to the mountain and he prayed. The Bible prays, he prayed seven times. Before the rain came, after the prophet, he had prayed seven times. God has spoken through Jeremiah that 70 years the children of Israel would be enslaved. 70 years came and gone and they were still enslaved. Until one man read through the books and found out, no, something is wrong in the spirit. There is a delay. There is a delay in the season of Israel. My nation is not betting forth the destiny that God has designated for it. So the Bible says he humbled himself and sought the Lord and prayed and seek his face. You cry too much. You worry too much. That's why nothing changes. But he says, let them come together. Let them assemble themselves. State forth your case. Tonight is a perfect opportunity. There are things in your life you are going through, things you are facing, things in your life that are weighing on your mind, are weighing on your soul. Those are the things that must be taken before the judge of the whole world. As we prayed here tonight, state forth your case. I am not God. I don't know your case. You know your case. And the Bible says you have an advocate living inside you to help you. That's why it says, He that prays in unknown time does not speak unto man but to God. How in the spirit he makes mysteries known. I don't know what God has promised you. God might have promised you several things. God might have spoken to you concerning your life, concerning your future, concerning your destiny. And those things have not come to pass. It's been 2019. It has come. It has gone. And you have not seen what God has promised you. Remind God. You said. You promised. Now fulfill. And trust that He is able and has enough integrity to fulfill his word. Hallelujah. So you can sit down, you can stand up, you can kneel down, but whatever you do, he says, you that have escaped the sword, keep not silent. He says, keep not silent until, until righteousness spreads forth like a wildfire. He says, keep not silent until he establishes his name. So this tonight is your platform of engaging God. Contend with him. Fight with him. Wrestle with him. But whatever happens, come up with your blessing. Come up with your blessing. Hallelujah. Come up with your blessing. Come up with your blessing. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are coming to the judge of the whole earth, trusting that he is able to perform, able to do what he has spoken. Tonight, dear Lord Jesus, we ask that you pay careful attention to the words that will come out of the hearts, the minds, and the mouths of your people. As they lift up their voice, they lift up their cry. Hear from heaven, Father, we pray. Oh, you have spoken. Tonight we ask you to stretch forth your hand. You have spoken, but tonight we ask you to manifest your spirit. Establish the word you have spoken. Fulfill the promises you have spoken. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, tonight strongholds must be broken. Tonight promises must be fulfilled. Tonight, delays must be eradicated. Tonight, oh God, the strategies, the plans of the enemy must be destroyed. Tonight, there must be a change. Tonight, the angels must move. Tonight, the angels must act. Tonight, the hand of the Lord must be seen. Tonight, restoration must take place. Tonight, healings must take place. Oh, tonight, oh God, Tonight, oh God, we set a time before the presence of God that before our watch ends, something would have changed. Something would have happened. Something would have been altered in the spirit, visible in our lives. Tonight is someone's night. 
Tonight someone's story is changing. Tonight is the night, Father. As we pray, we invoke the presence of God. We invoke the power of God. We invoke the anointing that destroys yokes, that lifts burdens. Jesus, tonight you must show up. Open your mouth and speak to him. Open your mouth and speak to him. Tell him your story. Tell him how much you are hurting. Tell him how much you are paining. Tell him how much distraught, distressed you are. Talk to him, talk to him. The judge is listening. Stay forth your case. Tell him this thing must end. Jesus! Continue. Yenda basanda. Rata lege bronto.